In the quest Fall on the Hill, you will go through the various stages of seeking out 20 tarot cards across Night City and culminating in finding one of two tarot cards at the end, depending on choices you made. There is then the possibility of finding four more tarot cards in the Phantom Liberty expansion. Whilst the quests themselves are pretty fun to play through, knowing more about tarot cards and what they mean can really add more depth to this act of the game. The tarot cards used in the Fall on the Hill quest all come from the major arcana of a traditional tarot deck, quite specifically a Rider Wake tarot deck with artwork by Pamela Coleman-Smith. First printed in 1909, these particular style of tarot decks became popular over the other decks because of its companion guide explaining all of the 78 cards found in the deck, both right way up and reversed. Although mainly used for occult practices, the cards with Smith's designs are saturated with religious iconography, including themes from Christianity, Judaism and Islam. The use of tarot cards as a meaning of predicting the future gained great traction during the First World War, with dubious mystics using the fear and grief of women wishing to know the fates of their sons, husbands and sweethearts to earn a lucrative living. Because of the association with predicting future dooms, other uses of tarot cards have been overlooked, primarily their associations with archetypes of human nature and experience as first theorized by Carl Jung. The tarot deck, particularly in the 22 cards of the major arcana, uses the archetypes to create an overview of the human journey through life, starting with the fool as the zero card and ending on the world as card number 21. All those in between demonstrate concepts of all of the successes and failures that we humans can experience. Whilst exploring the cyberpunk tarot, Mrs. Weissfish and I thought it would be fun to explore how the storyline corresponds to the cards and also how close to the traditional Rider Wake deck cyberpunk sticks in terms of its imagery and interpretation. As mentioned earlier, the Fool on the Hill quest uses the 22 cards of the Major Arcana and clearly the cyberpunk creators understood this more in-depth use of the cards to walk through the human journey to influence the overall story. But before we begin, remember this is my personal interpretation of what I think the cards are telling. If you have different views on what the cards mean, please do leave a nice comment explaining why, as I'd love to get different opinions on what they think is going on within the symbology. So without further ado, as we have a total of 26 cards to get through in this video that was co-written by Mrs. Wisefish, let's commence. Madame and Monsieur, I present to you the tarot according to Cyberpunk. The first card we come to is the Fool card, the card of beginnings. Traditionally numbered zero to denote that this is the card of that very moment when the idea of a new journey comes to a person. It represents a leap of faith that once you've taken it, there is no going back. In order to take a leap of faith, you have to have hope. Some might call this the Fool's hope, when only you can see the outcome, but have no idea how to get to the end result that you want. We can see this represented on the cyberpunk version of this card, the man, a traveler with his dog stands on the edge of a rooftop, his foot hanging dangerously over the abyss below him, but he is not looking at that, he is looking up as dreamers do. He is not oblivious to what is below him, he just has complete faith 
that he will not fall. This card clearly represents V and Jackie at the start of their journey, venturing into Night City with both of them being pretty ignorant as to their life goals of becoming Night City legends. To them, all they believe is taking that leap of faith, doing gigs for people and just getting their face out there will earn them that legend status. But right below their feet, like in the image, is a huge drop that they will have to face, plunging them into an extremely low place, one of sacrifice, loss and unknown events, which is exactly what we see throughout their whole story. You could argue to some extent that the dog in the image is Jackie, although that would be a bit of a stretch. But dogs are man's best friend, and losing Jackie certainly is a deep, impactful moment for V that puts them on the path to legend status. Overall, the full card encapsulates V at this very early stage in their Night City journey. They are ignorant to how brutal the world is. Everything feels safe to start with, but after they've taken that first step, that is a huge one. They are on that long, brutal journey to become legend. The Magician is a card of action and of transformation. It represents the stage in the journey when a person is full of confidence and making the seemingly impossible happen. The Cyberpunk version of this card retains important aspects of the original Rider Waite version, namely the Infinity Symbol, used in the occult to represent balance and also the cycle of death and rebirth, and representations of three out of the four suits of traditional tarot, swords, cups and pentacles. Significantly, the wand is missing which differs from the Rider Waite version. Cyberpunk has purposely chosen to take away the Magician's most necessary tool. This card is extremely symbolic of the place it sits outside of, that being Lizzie's Bar where the once owner stood up to the brutal powerful gang of the Tiger Claws in defense of her workers who she was extremely protective over. Standing up to this gang made her a prime target but she would always stand her ground, so much so that in the end the Tiger Claws would get their revenge and kill Lizzie. But the death of this club owner only triggered the rest of the workers within the bar, forcing them to rise up as their own new faction known as the Mocks, and renaming the whole of the bar in memory of their once leader, helping it become known as Lizzie's Bar. It can be argued that it represents V during their rebirth thanks to the relic, as Misty does state that in the final card reading. And whilst I agree, I still believe the card represents Lizzie's Bar and the whole idea of coming together for a greater good, over just V only, and maybe that's due to its location, but I'd argue it's a stronger bit of symbolism right here. Maybe the whole of Lizzie's bar is symbolic of V's life of becoming stronger in death, but that's going into a whole different debate. To this date, the mocks have grown in strength and many gangs do not want to deal with them as they rise in power. The transformation of their club as a whole has made it a safe haven for all night workers and people who need safe lodgings. And although tragic, Lizzie's death has made this little part of Night City safe again and also an incredibly popular nightclub. The magician being without its wand to me represents the loss of Lizzie as their leader, but together as a faction, they are strong just by the memory of her, and as the card shows, they are a group that has transformed into something positive and one of action if the need arise, with individuals within the club clearly showing that confidence, such as Judy Alvarez, and making the impossible happen, turning simple club workers into fearsome warriors willing to protect those around them.
The High Priestess card is a card of mystery and all that is unseen. It is in these times when things aren't obvious that we must turn to our intuition to show us the way forward, and that is what the High Priestess is good at, seeing the unseen. The card in Cyberpunk is really similar to the Rider Waite version. As a High Priestess, she stands in front of the Temple of Solomon from the Bible. This is shown by the letters B and G, which stands for Boaz and Jachin, on the pillars either side of the Priestess. High Priestess card clearly represents Hanako Arasaka, especially as the card is witnessed when V goes to meet with her during Takamura's plan to convince her of rising up against Yoronobu. With the card being about mystery and all that is unseen, this is shown within the personality of Hanako at this point in time, as during the whole of the encounter, she barely says a word, only really taking in everything both V and Takimura say about her beloved brother and the crime he is on trial for by them. But the most crucial thing that makes this card so vital to Hanako is what she reveals later on in her own storyline. Hanako knew that Yoronobu was responsible for the death of her father. She just needed the evidence to prove it, and that was shown when Yoronobu sent in all of his Arasaka troops to completely destroy the building they were in during this initial encounter. That sole fact goes to show that Hanako really does like to play a close poker hand, taking in everything she sees around her to make sure she gets all of the sides and makes the right decision. And like the High Priestess card goes to show that she ultimately trusts her intuition and is good at seeing the unseen. The Empress represents the archetypal mother figure, the epitome of traditional femininity. But as she is represented as Empress instead of mother, this can be seen as a figurative idea of what motherhood can represent. Traditionally, this is fertility, creativity, both of the mind and nature, and strength which comes from compassion, gentleness, and unconditional love. The cyberpunk incarnation of these feminine archetypes are represented on the card by flowers for nature, the kimono, the dress traditionally worn by Japanese women, and strength represented by the katana sword at the Empress's side. Obviously, the Empress card is a representation of Rogue, the leader of the afterlife, as it is located just outside the main doors. Rogue isn't the traditional mother in the sense of having children and all of that traditional stuff, but she is arguably the biggest fixer in Night City, and to all the edge runners, the main person in their life. Without her, many would not be able to make a living doing gigs and gathering information on potential clients. If you are to treat Rogue with respect and do what she wants, then she will in return repay that favour and look after you, getting you regular gigs and treating you as one of her own. To many, they would defend Rogue with their lives as she is extremely well respected throughout all of Night City, and because of that sole fact, it has made her one of the most powerful people in the city and a true legend because of what she has done within 2077 and what she got up to back during the corporate war, which is still being spoken about to this day. It's hard not to see why the Empress card fits perfectly for Rogue. She fits all of the characteristics of it and will live on as a legend for many years to come. If the Empress is archetypal femininity, the Emperor will obviously represent archetypal masculinity, specifically that of the traditional father figure as protector, but also as the provider of stability and the decision maker, the head honcho essentially. Whilst the traditional view is rather benevolent, the cyberpunk imagery is more sinister in tone. The Emperor is seated on his throne, sure, but is barely human and more machine, plugged in with wires and a mask with demonic 
red glowing eyes. Whilst the Rider Waite deck has the sun represented on the Emperor card, an ancient symbol of masculine energy, unless you're from the Norse traditions, here the sun has been transformed into the light from the warehouse window. A cynical view of a father figure indeed. This Emperor card is pretty easy to link to Saburu Arasaka, who is himself named as Emperor on a regular basis. He is extremely brutal as not only a corporate owner, but as a father figure himself, forcing all of his children to up the mantle and continue his goal of making Arasaka the biggest force in the world. It's very interesting the image the card has gone for when talking about the Emperor, with him being heavily modified and almost not looking like a human because it encapsulates Saburu exactly, as over the years he has heavily modified himself to stay alive. He is over a hundred years old, has battled death multiple times, being majorly injured in World War II, and even after his brutal murder in 2077, got his own daughter to find a solution to bring him back into the world through the use of his engram. Even thinking about putting it in his own son to continue ruling the corporation as some weird puppet master. These reasons all go to show that Saburu will push aside all that makes humans human if it means that he can continue on his global conquest to make Arasaka the biggest corporation in the world. The fact that even the board members after Saburu dies panic that the corporation will fall into instability goes to show how important he is for their overall global impact, perfectly describing what the Emperor card states being a provider of stability. The Hierophant is a mentor or a guide who has established knowledge to pass on to the new generation now seeking knowledge. The Hierophant balances out new information with an appreciation for what is established but often taken for granted. The master to the apprentice essentially. The Cyberpunk Tarot is once again very similar to the Rider Waite version but obviously in the Cyberpunk style with machines and cables and a figure with glowing red eyes like the Emperor card. Interestingly the Cyberpunk card has decided to keep the religious iconography of the Rider Waite Hierophant card, which, as it depicts the Pope, includes the Pope's triple crucifix and the cross keys of St. Peter, the keys to heaven's gates. This card must be a reference to Takimura as he is the man filled with traditional values and an appreciation for the corporate world, but also based on its location, it ties perfectly into Takimura's story. Where it can be found is where the two bodyguards meet together to try and arrange a meeting between V, Takimura and Hanako, with all Older, her bodyguard being trained by Takimura himself. With Takimura being the one who has trained Oda in his past, he now seeks that information that Oda keeps which ties into the generational information that the card speaks of. But also with Takimura being a man of honour, respect and tradition, is open about what he wants to seek out with his meeting and will risk being completely cast out of his society just to try and get that vital information out of his once trainee who he also sees with a lot of honour. You could also argue that that Oda is the Hierophant as he holds the keys to heaven, aka the contact of Hanako which would help V and Takimura on their investigation and is also like Takimura and is set on tradition, honour and loyalty. Overall though this card clearly shows this moment in the journey where the two bodyguards who were once so close come face to face for that vital information that will change their lives and investigation completely. Whether it is Takimura or Oda it doesn't really matter, both fit the card's description completely.
The Lovers is slightly self-explanatory in that it is a card primarily of romance and relationships, but it also goes deeper than that. It can mean any partnership where there is a strong bond with a solid foundation. It is a card of honor and respect between two people. The Cyberpunk Lovers card looks nothing like the Rider Waite version, which depicts Adam and Eve. Instead, Cyberpunk has gone for two skeletons leaning towards each other, their tongues meeting in the middle. This possibly implies that the Cyberpunk creators have opted for a slightly different interpretation of the lovers in this case, perhaps more of the destructive nature of love and how it can often lead to the sacrifice of something else. Based on the card's location, it's quite easy to decipher who this is about, mainly being focused on the relationship between Johnny and Rogue, two lovers who always had an on and off relationship with one another, but could never really be separated. They were always brought back to one another, and we see that in every encounter and dialogue choice they have. The fact that the card depicts them as skeletons could be the fact that both are not the people they once were. Obviously, Johnny is now just an engram living inside another person's body and speaking only through tongue, which could explain the tongue touching. And even with the same personality he has always had, he can never really be who he wants to be again. And Rogue has changed the way she views the world completely, not really going for the anarchistic lifestyle and has worked alongside corporations to bolster her career as owner of the afterlife. Despite those massive changes in their lives, they still still share that same love for each other and always come back to each other and essentially are seen as two individuals who are so self-destructive with their love for each other. The Chariot is a card of triumph, like how the Romans would enjoy a spot of chariot racing. It would be the one who was confident and committed that would most likely win the day. That is what the Chariot is about, strong will and determination. It encourages the reader to commit to their beliefs and then they cannot fail. The Chariot card here has been given a good cyberpunk update and now is showing a motorcycle rider going at speed presumably towards their goal. The Chariot is also once again another card that seems to represent Takimura or rather Takimura and V's journey at this point in time. Once enemies, the two are now clearly needing each other's help to continue to live on, with V searching for a cure for the relic and Takimura looking for revenge against Yurinobu, bringing them to Tom's diner where this card is located. The whole symbology of what this card means in its location is that both V and Takimura are just being driven in every direction, desperate to reach some meaningful location. And on that journey, they will experience sudden changes in path and many highs and lows as you'd expect if you were to ride in a chariot. But the two are determined and confident that they will get to their destination. This we certainly see in their journey as Takimura has to question everything he once stood for and V has to do unthinkable daring things to try and survive. The card ultimately is a poetic way of showing that the journey these two are on is not fully direct. They are on this ride but it is unpredictable and will have many high and low points before it reaches its final final destination. The strength card is rarely anything to do with physical strength, but instead more about emotional strength, resilience, as well as power. It also has a lot to do with decision-making and asks the reader to be certain in what they decide. This in itself is a type of strength, to be able to commit to one thing over another. The cyberpunk card consists of a hooded female figure, her face obscured by a metallic mask. On her chest is a tattoo of a figure prizing open the jaws of a wolf. This is a reference to the writer 
inside a weight card which has a person with the hands on top of and below a lion's face. Whilst very similar images the rider weight figure is displaying confidence and commitment to their decision to pet a lion, whereas the cyberpunk version is showing the figure having power over the wolf instead. This card is pretty easy to decipher as this is pretty much just showing the characteristics and life path of Pan and Palmer, and that's proven as this card is found at the same spot where you first meet her. Throughout all of her story, Pan Am stands up for her nomad family, doesn't ever want to cave to corporate pressure, and holds up strong wing challenged by authority figures trying to put her in her place. You could even argue that the wolf she is challenging within the art itself is Saul, the current leader of the nomads, who she is constantly battling over how their aldecados go forward in life. Ultimately, there's not much to say about this card and what its symbolism is. It's pretty much Pan Am and her personality, and that's all there is to it. The Hermit card is a card of solitude and achieving wisdom through meditation and quiet contemplation. It is the card of the introvert. Again, the Cyberpunk card is an updated twist on the Rider Waite card. Both feature a hooded and cloaked figure carrying a staff in one hand and a lantern in the other. The difference is the Cyberpunk Hermit has an industrial background and the Rider Waite Hermit has mountains. This card could be in reference to two things. The first one being Olds who you go to speak to and converge with in the the Pacifica Serenity Bible Church with the Voodoo Boy Netrunners. When meeting old, she would bring you away from prying eyes to talk one-to-one -one and also reveal that she has spoken with Johnny on his own after her death within 2013. A place of solitude for Johnny to speak with his once lover and also a place where they could seek out vital information about their journey. For old is so deep embedded within cyberspace and living beyond the black wall, she could be argued to be the hermit who lives away from other forms of life and only in encounters those she wants to help and those who want to get away from everything else. Another additional add here, it could represent the Voodoo Boy Netrunners as well, as they keep to themselves and run their net running operations away from prying eyes. So like with Alt, they could also be the Hermits themselves, but again I'd argue that Alt is more secluded than them, but either way though, they both fit that description. The other thing it could be in reference to is Johnny's time in Pacifica after the Second Central American War where he stayed in a hotel on his own for months to think about what he wanted from life now and what he could do to make a difference. Either way, this card comes at a prime moment of reflection for V on their journey and without the Hermit, some moments in life may not be realised and it'll all come crashing down. Sometimes it's good to just get away from the madness and just seek your inner self. The Wheel of Fortune card is typically seen not so much as pot luck, but more that luck can change very fast. If things have been going badly, then they might start going well and vice versa. This can be seen in the typical Rider weight Wheel of Fortune on the top of the card, with the cardinal points spelling out tarot when read clockwise from the north, and rota, the Latin word for wheel, when read clockwise from the south. The other four inscriptions spell the Hebrew word Yahweh. If you were having your fortune read, you would see this as an omen that your life was about to change. However, Cyberpunk's interpretation of this card seems to be more about the archetype of the Wheel of Fortune shown by the bullet hole ridden corpse flopped on the floor, implying that the Wheel of Fortune in the game is to be seen more as a game of Russian roulette. This plays nicely with the previous card's interpretations of taking leaps of faith and making decisions and committing to them. Now we have the consequences of these choices, have we in the game chosen well, or has fortune failed us this time? This 
card plays a big part in the story and its location plays a key part to it as well. The Wheel of Fortune is at the Sunset Motel, the place where V makes vital decisions in their overall journey, and every time there is a big story beat, it'll be at this motel. Pan Am's AV plan to capture Anders Hellman, the interrogation of Anders with Takimura, and the meet with the proxy of Hanako after the Arasaka raid. All of these story beats have dramatically changed the direction of V's journey, and all of them happen just next to this Wheel of Fortune, showing to me that luck is on V's side, but at the same time, the next thing they have to do in their journey is a real roll of the dice, and could be make or break, following that ideal that the Wheel of Fortune is like Russian roulette. You could say that V lives their life by the Wheel of Fortune all of the time with every decision they make, and because of that sole reason, I think it's safe to say that this tarot card is one of the most important ones within the whole deck. The Justice card is just that the card of justice. The cyberpunk card contains the typical symbols of justice, i.e. the scales for weighing things in the balance, and the sword for administering justice after a verdict has been reached. It is important to note that the justice card is focused entirely on the outcome or rather a resolution so to speak. It is a card of victory and of seeing things come good after time of poor fortune. This card is found at the entrance of the Electric Corporation power plant, the place both V and Judy go to find Evelyn Parker who had been captured by the barbaric scavs. The card to me shows the path that Judy will enter now after this event. She would witness the horror Evelyn faced and would seek justice to bring her captors down and make sure she is safe from harm. From this point, V and Judy will go on a journey of seeking revenge for what was done here and what led to Evelyn's loss of life. Ultimately, the card represents Judy's new journey, seeking justice for what the world has done to her and her extremely close friends. You'll be happy to know that the Hanged Man isn't as sinister of a card as it appears on the surface. This card is often used in overacted detective dramas to foretell some doom, but it actually has a far deeper meaning. The Hanged Man is the card of sacrifice, normally of self-sacrifice, where someone gives up something that is of value to them in order to achieve another goal. Depending on the goal, the thing that needs to be sacrificed can vary wildly. The Cyberpunk card is very similar to the Rider Waite card as it depicts a figure hanging upside down. Down. Why he's upside down is up for some debate. It might be because St. Peter was crucified upside down and the tarot does like a bit of Christian symbolism, or it can be a reference to Odin hanging himself in order to gain wisdom, the classic, if extreme, example of self-sacrifice. Being located at the oil fields, this place would be where Johnny Silverhand's body would be dumped by Adam Smasher after it was used for Soul Killer. During chipping in, Johnny would express to V how much he sacrificed and lets it all out about how he's feeling about it, feeling like there was no real point in the end as no one had remembered him and he hadn't even been buried properly for friends to come and see. There's the clear message of sacrifice that Johnny has been through, but also a sense of betrayal as he had been given no honour or praise for his actions, which could explain why the image has the hanged man upside down instead of upright. Ultimately though, the tarot represents Johnny Silverhand at the end of his life, a man that sacrificed everything for the cause, losing friends in corrupt corporate-run wars, and by the end, despite everything he has given for his country and fellow man, he was ultimately just forgotten, and some could argue betrayed by the system, but also by those he thought were his closest allies. 
This is another card that overly acted detective dramas have given a bad rap. Although it does itself no favours by being called death, it is generally seen more as a card of endings and consequently of rebirth. Even more figurative if one door closes, another one opens. This card indicates that there will be loss, but it is a necessary one, something that must be let go of in order to move forward, and usually it's something that has been hung on to for far too long anyway. And what comes next is generally far better than what was had before. Cyberpunk turns away from the Rider Waite tarot deck towards another common tarot image, that of the Grim Reaper with a scythe. In Cyberpunk, a skeletal figure is holding a sword, representing an updated Grim Reaper perhaps. It comes as no shock that this card appears near the end of V's journey, but also tying into the card's meaning also comes when a vital choice must be made as V enters the building of Embers to make contact with Hanako about what comes next. The death card here displays that V will have many doors open to pick, but once they pick that path, the other doors will close. When looking into the actual quote-unquote choices, this card makes a lot more sense as to why it is just the Grim Reaper figure. Ultimately, V will never win. Their body will always just have six months to live, and in the end, they will die. No matter what door they open, what path they take, it will always be an illusion of choice, as there is only one path left for V, and that is sadly what the card implies. Death. Well, unless you take the new expansion endings, but then you don't go to Embers, so wouldn't come face to face with the death card. Temperance is a card that usually advises self-restraint and moderation. It can mean not putting all of your eggs in one basket, or another way to look at it is to find balance between two options. Why not find the equilibrium between both and not cut any option off completely? This aspect of balance and sharing of your own resources is demonstrated in the Cyberpunk card by having two figures linked together with a blood transfusion, both are able to live and survive by sharing this precious resource. This is more of an extreme version of the Rider Weight card which shows water flowing between two cups. The two cups symbol was used by the temperance movement to represent having a balance between water and wine, rather than being either teetotal or absolutely wasted. Another aspect of similarity between the two cards is the triangle set within a square seen on the chest of the main figure. The triangle is the traditional alchemical symbol for fire, which in turn symbolizes a person's passions. The square represents the laws that must be obeyed in life. By putting both together, there is a recognition that both our passions and reasonable restrictions can exist in order to have a balanced life. This card links closely to the ending in which Johnny and V swap places, and Johnny continues to live within V's body, and actually Johnny and V's journey in general. Joined through the Relic Shard, these two would have to accept one another throughout their journey. What started as a brutal battle at the beginning would take time and patience until the two finally see eye to eye. In the Johnny Silverhand ending, he would finally come to terms with everything that has happened, how he can move on in his life and finally say goodbye to V, someone who he now sees as a true friend. The imagery of the blood transfusion clearly represents the relic and how the two are linked together, and the more they spend their time together, the more they realize they aren't too dissimilar. Ultimately, it is the card that represents the relationship between V and Johnny, and by the ending where Johnny says his final goodbye, both accepted their fates. V would allow Johnny to live on and Johnny would live within the world, but now as a changed man, not wanting war or to start anarchy, but to enjoy the world around him. Both of them had learned to respect each other's journeys and learned to balance both of their personalities within that one body.
The Devil is another card that has been greatly misunderstood in media, but even though not quite as scary as it first appears, its satanic imagery is designed to serve as a warning. The Devil card indicates that there is something that the reader has an unhealthy dependence upon, like an addiction. This can be a thing or a person, but it warns that this dependence is holding the reader back, and the only way of moving forward on the journey is to free themselves from whatever they have become dependent on. Thinking of the Christian Lord's prayer line and leader not into temptation, the devil is temptation, and the reader would be wise to ignore its meaningless promises. The Rider Wake deck has the traditional image of Satan, half man, half ram, with an upside down pentagram. The images that the Christian church themselves appropriated to scare people away from Celtic paganism and the Gaelic horned god Canunos. However, Cyberpunk provides us with a new devil, the Maelstrom Gang depicted in the Cyberpunk Devil card. The imagery being Maelstrom is interesting as it clearly shows that by this point, if you were to achieve the devil card, you have lost all sense of who you were, similar to how Maelstrom have so much cyberware that they are not recognized recognizable as humans anymore. The interesting thing about the devil card is that you have to side with Arasaka to get it, proving that you will do anything for your own survival, forgetting that this corporation had taken everything from you, including Jackie, Takemura if he were to die, and many other individuals who they had shut down in the process. This goes to essentially say you signed your soul to the devil, and you did not care about anyone in the process. You essentially thought of the short-term temptation of survival, and not the thought of others like Misty, who you essentially threw under the bus. Not only that, but choosing the Devil card is not as good as it seems, as shown in the ending. Whilst yes, you are fixed, the trauma and feeling of regret V feels is shown every day after their surgery and is evident through the nightmares of Johnny's voice and also the moment Jackie died. Whilst you can leave accepting your fate of dying down in Night City after six months, V has sold their soul to Arasaka, betraying their loved ones, and that is something they will have to live with forever, which matches clearly with the age-old idea that if you sign your soul with the devil, you will always go on to regret it. The tower represents unexpected upheaval. Everything that seemed once so certain and strong in the reader's life must now come crashing down. But even though this feels horrible to begin with, it actually acts as more of a cleansing of things in one's life that are no longer needed. In order for a phoenix to be reborn, it must first burst into flames. Both the Cyberpunk and Rider Waite card depict pretty much the same thing, a strong tower being struck by lightning, demonstrating how quickly something that seemed untouchable can fall. The tower, however, has two meanings within the world of cyberpunk. The main one is linked to where the card can be found, which is in the memorial of the Arasaka Tower of 2023, where Militech launched a secret operation to completely obliterate it and erase their data. This whole event massively changed not only the events of Night City, pushing it into a completely new terrifying era, but also the whole world, as Arasaka had to go completely on the back foot and retreat to Japan, making them look like an international embarrassment. This whole event is that exact tower moment. It was an event that had catastrophic change and plunged Night City into the time of red, and without this moment wouldn't have triggered things like the Unification War or any of the other things that were seen in 2077. Even Johnny Silverhand's death, for example, happened within this moment, and if it didn't happen, V wouldn't have encountered the relic and gone through their whole journey. Ultimately, without this 2023 holocaust, the world wouldn't have gone through the massive 
massive change that it has and wouldn't be where it is today. But also the card links closely to the ending where V wakes up from a two year coma. Here once again massive changes are going on. Arasaka has fallen dramatically, Zeta Tech has risen out of nowhere and the whole of Night City is being taken over by Militech forces. Not only that but V has to take a dramatic turn in life. Now free from the relic they have to decide what the path is they take next and because of that whole event with the FIA back in 2077 a new path has opened one of dramatic change and it's up to V what happens next. It would seem that the tower card is a regular card used to define cyberpunk's world. It is a universe that is constantly changing thanks to mega corporations, dodgy politicians and brave solos looking to challenge the status quo. And whilst changes may lead to new positive things you know full well that this will only be temporary and something new and devastating is most likely right around the corner like a fifth corporate war for example. Now we've gotten through the doom and gloom cards we move on to the celestial cards. The star is a card of hope. It is a light which illuminates the dark and also the representation of the north star which guides us all home. Well if you live in the northern hemisphere anyway. Whilst the rider wake card does depict an actual star, specifically an eight pointed star, its main image is of a naked woman, one foot on land and one in water. Similar to what is depicted on the temperance card indicating the star is guiding us towards a more balanced life but also one awakening as the woman pours water onto the ground which splits into five streams each representing one of the five senses. The cyberpunk card focuses less on the actual star and actually puts the woman as the central figure or star of the show as she is being watched dancing by what looks like an audience of purple eyed cyclopses and it is unclear how this is supposed to represent hope and balance. Perhaps the cyberpunk creators see the stars as glittering distractions. The star is seen out within the Badlands in the location where the Aldecados get ready to leave Night City for good. My personal interpretation of this card and where it's located is to show off a positive new chapter. This is finally a chance for V, Pan Am and the rest of the clan to move on to greener pastures, survive the brutality of Night City and the corporations there and finally once they leave they can breathe clean air once again knowing full well that they had survived. I think this is made clear with the image in the card as the individual is free and fully blossoming which is exactly what the clan can do now. Maybe it has other meanings especially with the cyclopses which I can't quite comprehend at this point in time. And a side note which I have added here after editing the whole video together, the star represents the guiding light and Pan Am does believe that out there somewhere is a cure for V. So you could argue that Pan Am is doing just that, following the guiding light to find a better life and that one true goal that the Aldecaldos are now on, that being to save V. The fact that it is mainly seen during the final Nomad ending says to me that this card links to a new beginning that the clan are going towards, one where these individuals can fully live and grow in a positive light and forge a closer family unit whilst trying to save V as well. is the card of dreams, fears and illusions as both dreams and fears are in actual fact just illusions themselves. Spooky things are traditionally supposed to take place during the full moon and nighttime has always been seen as a scary time. Fears can often present themselves as self-doubt and anxiety. This is what the moon card warns against and reminds us that what we feel in these times is not real, it is just an illusion. The cyberpunk moon card is almost exactly the same as the Rider Waite card with two wolves 
howling at the full moon, but the cyberpunk one is obviously more cyberpunky than Smith's design. Interestingly, this card is found outside of the Arasaka Mansion, where you go to visit during the Hanako ending. To me, this moon represents the idea that whilst it looks too good to be true, that Arasaka will help save you, not all is what it seems, and there is a darker side to this story. This certainly can be linked to the creepy idea that Saburu lives on, which is exactly what Hanako shows you after you save her from this place. Maybe the moon could symbolize Saburu as the engram and how he lingers above the corporation and world, and his loyal family members and board owners will come to his beck and call when the need arises. Going by what the tarot card means, to me this represents that weird spooky thing that is going on in the basement of Arasaka Towers and can also lead to V's self-doubt about the choice they have made. It's also a clear warning for when you first get here, and that is clearly proven correct as this whole event leads to the devil card ending, where Arasaka saves you, but you have lost a lot of respect for that short-term gain of living just six extra months. Beware the full moon. Make sure you are always sure, and in my opinion, beware the activities of Arasaka. They are not always what they seem, and more suspicious activities will be happening under your nose. third card of the cosmic series is the sun and stands in juxtaposition to the moon. This is the card of enlightenment and illuminating the truth but also of healing. All the reader's troubles will soon fade away and vitality can be restored. It indicates that success is near and the journey is almost at its end. The cyberpunk card again takes great inspiration from a Rider Waite deck with a figure riding a horse and the sun illuminating the background. In the Rider Waite card the figure is a child representing Presenting innocence. Cyberpunk chooses instead to depict a cowgirl, and as Bryce Mosley describes, she is the representation of a simpler, better time, if the Wild West can be called that. I suppose by Cyberpunk standards, it could be. Behind her is also multiple space stations, which includes the Crystal Palace, which ties into the ending in which this card is linked to, that being the Path of Glory. To me, this is the best ending you could achieve. You have followed Johnny's exact wishes and done all that he wanted was also forging a close relationship with him and taking out the one man he sought out to take once and for all, that being Adam Smasher. On top of that, V had become the most powerful edge runner in the whole of Night City, taking over from the late rogue in Afterlife. Essentially, their journey had reached its peak and it was finally time to go off into the golden sunset and say goodbye to everything they had done over their whole journey, to seek a new chapter or basically calling it a day. Heading out into the Crystal Palace, it's made clear that this is the Solo's last big moment, that golden sun if you will, and with that last gig, they can go out as it is poetically named in a path of glory. Not much more is to be said about this, essentially this is the good ending card where our hero V is seen going off on a new adventure, leaving behind a great legacy over the whole of Night City, an ending similar to that of a great western film. The second to last card is a card of reflection. At the end of the journey, we must always look back and reflect on how we got this far and balance all of the decisions and steps taken to decide whether the outcome will be good or bad. This card can be seen as both good and bad, depending on if the reader has something to hide or not, as all things have been illuminated now and are known and clear. Again, the cyberpunk card takes inspiration from the Rider Waite imagery, this time showing the trumpeting figure that is assumed to be Israel 
Tophil, one of the four archangels from Islamic tradition, who blows the trumpet on the Day of Judgment. Depicted at the bottom of both cards are figures who are being resurrected from their graves, representing the prophecy from the Book of Revelations in the Bible for what is supposed to happen on the Day of Judgment. This card is found right at the end of the game before you enter Makoshi to face your final fate, which is exactly what the card shows off. To some extent, you could see Alt as being the decider of your fate, and whilst in Makoshi, when sitting with Johnny Silverhand for the last time, this would be your time of reflection to make that final decision of living the remaining six months of your life, leaving Johnny to go with Alt past the Black Wall, or accepting Alt's offer and joining her in the Black Wall and letting Johnny take over the body. Essentially, this card is the perfect one for this moment in V's journey. It isn't necessarily the final choice, but it is a moment where every decision could be weighed up and a big life-changing decision will be made. You could also argue that Makoshi is Heaven's Gate, and this is your chance to get the ending you want or accept a more gruesome fate. That said, however, if you were to sign with the devil, this card will not be yours. You made your decision and that is fact now. You can never have your actions and past be up for judgment as that is already done for you. Overall, this card is showing exactly what V is going to face when in Makoshi. It is that final bit of judgment and reflection they need to confirm where their life goes next. And finally, we come to the last card of the Major Arcana, card number 21, 22nd card. Yep that's extremely confusing. The world represents the journey is now complete, but it also represents a feeling of being complete as well. However, this does not mean the end entirely, but as the reader has now created their new world, they also have the possibilities of the whole world too. As the earth spins on its axis never ending, so do our journeys keep ending and beginning as well. So the world represents both the ending of one journey and making the decision of what journey to do next and start the major arcana again as the Fool. The Cyberpunk card is quite a bit different to the Rider Waite card here, and perhaps it is more recognisably symbolic to how we would understand the world card today, or 2077. The Rider Waite card has a naked woman surrounded by four images consisting of a man, an eagle, a lion, and a bull. These can be considered to come from the Haoth, the four living creatures from Jewish mythology, or representing the four evangelists from Christian mythology. Further to this, the images could also be symbolic of the four elements with four signs of the zodiac, with the man being Aquarius and air, the eagle being Scorpio and water, the lion being Leo and fire, and the bull being Taurus and earth. But that is debatable in my wife's personal opinion and a bit of a stretch. The cyberpunk world card starts at the top with the silhouette of a man and a cybernetic sun-like yellow light in the center of his face. This illuminates the city below which it merges with and is also found within the silhouette, demonstrating that the world of possibilities is found within us all. Like with the Judgment and Death card, this card really displays that everything that V has done within the city, every decision they have made has led to this point. And with the cybernetic sun in the head, this symbolizes Johnny, who is the one who triggers you to make that final decision to end that journey. The world is exactly that. It is everything that has come together to lead to this point. And with its location being on top of Misty's rooftop, where V makes that decision, this is made clear to the player that this is it. This is what V has been working towards. This is the final moment that will shape the rest of their lives.
In the Cyberpunk expansion, there are also four Minor Arcane cards to be found. The Minor Arcana is very similar to a traditional playing deck of cards, but there are some subtle differences. The first of these are the suits. Instead of hearts, diamonds, spades, and clubs, the tarot has pentacles, swords, wands, and cups. These are traditional occult symbols of the four elements. Pentacles being the earth, swords being air, wands being fire, and cups being water. The other difference between the Minor Arcana and regular the playing cards is the number of cards in each suit. Both have the number cards from 1 to 10, but playing cards have three court cards, and tarot cards have four. These are the page, the knight, the queen, and the king. And in tarot, they represent people in our lives who are then differentiated with traits from the elements. Cyberpunk has used the four king cards of the minor arcana. The king represents authority figures and father figures. So let's have a quick look at what the four king cards mean and how they appear in Cyberpunk. Following what was just said, the King of Cups is the authority figure to do with water, which represents emotions. These combine to make the King of Cups the card of diplomacy and of being fair-minded. The card encourages us to see both sides and find compromises where there is conflict. There is little really to change in artistic interpretation from the Rider Waite card to the Cyberpunk version, so both show a seated man holding a cup. This card is found when you first encounter Songbird to start their story, and because of that sole fact and the idea that this card is about emotions and feelings, it's quite safe to say that this perfectly encapsulates Somi as a whole. The more we see of Somi during this story, the more we realise she is heavily motivated by past events that have affected her emotionally, and every decision she makes going forward is driven by that. Like when V supposedly betrays Somi and favours Reed's plans, this drives her mad and triggers her extremely dangerous side, leading to a lot of destruction on her path, and her emotions eventually getting so deadly that they it breaks the system and unleashes a deadly secret down within Militech bases. The imagery is also interesting on the Cyberpunk card as it displays the character sitting on a machine throne with a cup of blood. To me personally, this shows that while she is driven by emotions, she is in control, or at least she thinks she is. And again, that is shown by the fact that this whole capture of Myers from the beginning was Somi's plan, bringing in V to conduct everything she wanted and to gain her own personal freedom once again. The more you explore the person and that is Songbird, the more you realise that she fits this card perfectly. But the most important thing that solidifies this is that her sole goal at this point in her life is to find herself once again, gain her freedom from the FIA, and to live a life that she wants, going to show that she is run by her emotions, exactly what the King of Cups tarot card displays. The King of Pentacles represents the father figure as he relates to the earth and this manifests as being grounded and entrepreneurial. The King of Pentacles is calm and sure of himself who provides stability. The Rider Waite card doesn't differ much from the King of Cups. It is again a seated male figure who in this instance is holding a pentacle. The Cyberpunk has a hooded figure with a gold five-pointed star behind them. This could symbolize the main star from the flag of the new United States, but if we're being picky and this is why fish is, then this would technically be a pentagram and not a pentacle, as there is no circle surrounding the star. Being located within the safe house within Crest Street, once again this card clearly displays the characteristics of Rosalind Myers, the president of the NUSA, as she is the epitome of the card's descriptions. Whilst the card is told to be a father figure, I think this can apply to her because essentially she is the ruler of the whole of the NUSA nation, and is extremely entrepreneurial, especially 
when you take into account what she wanted to do during the unification war, bringing everyone into her rule, which you could argue fits into the relates to the earth part of the card meaning. Not much else is to be said about the card really, it's pretty self-explanatory. However, the whole imagery is very symbolic of this point in time, with the character being heavily disguised with the star behind it. It goes to show exactly what Myers is doing within Dogtown. She is running the country in operation still, but heavily undercover to hide from Kurt Hansen's forces. That's about it really, this card is pretty obvious. It represents Rosalind Myers at this point in their journey. And there you go. Next we have the King of Wands, the father figure according to Fire. So this is all about power, action and confidence. Fire can be a tricky card as on one hand Fire is warming and healing, it can also be destructive depending on who set it and the intentions behind it. Both the Rider Waite and Cyberpunk cards depict a seated figure holding a wand which looks a lot more like a wizard's staff but the Cyberpunk one has a nice orange glow to it and the cables at the bottom of the card are arranged to look almost like lava. Once Again, the location helps give away exactly what it is talking about. This card represents Solomon Reed, a man that fits the description perfectly because whilst he is an extremely deadly individual who can take you out in the dead of night without you knowing about it, when you get to know him, he is a kind-hearted individual who has a pure heart, especially when it comes to friendship, as is shown through his reactions to Somi and what happens to her throughout the story, and eventually how Solomon deals with V and their problems after the events of Dogtown, especially in the tower ending. The most interesting thing about the card's imagery is that they are sitting above what looks like lava. This could symbolize how dangerous and tricky this whole Dogtown Myers situation is. They are essentially playing a big game of the floor is lava, where around every corner is a new challenge, and Somi, whilst they may have a close relationship, her and Reed, is not always what she seems, and he must be wary of the path he takes, because if he gets it wrong with his decisions, he will fall into the lava and be lost forever. Overall though, Solomon Reed is an incredible friend if you get close to him. He will be a warm and friendly face, but at the same time, he is incredibly powerful and deadly and can do a job to great effect. He is the king of wands because of this, but at the same time, whilst he might bring the fire, he can also be massively burnt if he gets his decisions wrong. Finally, for the father figure according to Air, the King of Swords. This father figure is far more stern and to the point. Imagine how a sword cuts through the air without faffing about. However, the King of Swords is also fair and analytical. The clearer the air, the better we see. The Rider Waite and Cyberpunk cards are once again very similar, both depicting figures holding swords. This is the trickiest one to decipher, and I hate ending the video on a card that is a bit tricky to interpret, but to me, this card, due to its location again, relates more to Alex who is pretty open-minded when it comes to the mission at hand. Whilst Reed and Somi are so controlled by their emotions to the plan and Myers being focused on our overall ambitions, Alex looks at all of the different options and just puts them out on the table enabling V to make their own mind up. She is not overly driven by her emotions, yes she knows what she wants, but she also likes to make sure things are overly thought through properly and that's what makes her so fair and analytical like the card displays. The only thing I'd say about the 
appropriate imagery, although it might be a stretch, is that the face is quite obscured by the swords, with the face being hidden by them. This could, and as I say, it's a stretch, but it could relate to the fact that Alex can adjust her image when she wants. Also being an aspiring actor, so she can always hide behind both sides of the argument, not put her face forward and use the facts to speak instead of her. That is what it could be anyway, but ultimately I think it's fair to say that the King of Swords, the fair and analytical figure, is Alex in this situation, especially when it's located outside of the moth. And also because she is the most neutral individual out of all of the new characters within this Phantom Liberty story. So there we are, the tarot according to Cyberpunk. It is very interesting how well the storyline of Cyberpunk follows the major arcana, which begs the question, are the tarot cards just an added extra to the storyline, or did the writers of Cyberpunk use the tarot major arcana journey to formulate the narrative? If you want to know more about Cyberpunk lore, then there's plenty more on my channel. And if you want to know more about tarot, well, you'll just have to persuade Mrs. Wisefish to create her own YouTube channel. But I just want to say a big thank you for watching this video and also a massive Massive thank you to my patrons who allow me to make them on a regular basis, including my small fishes, my big fishes, Greg and Anthony, my YouTube channel Wise One, Sith Lord 906, Video Gamer 75, and Havig, my sharks, Jason X117, and Well Such Gaming, and my Megalodons, Sinus, Hazy Thoughts, and Bad Clams 83. But that is all for now. Thank you for watching again. If you want to support this channel, all the links are down, including the links to the audio versions on Spotify and Apple Music. And if you really did enjoy this, please do like, comment, and subscribe to help get them out there. And finally, with all of that said, I shall see you all in the next one. Cheers.